This journalism.co.uk podcast is supported by Dataminer, a real-time alert service that helps journalists uncover breaking news and stories before they go viral. Want to know more? Head over to dataminer.com to find out how your newsroom can stay ahead of the curve. I'm Jacob Granger, and the topic this week is impressing in your next job application. In this week's podcast, we have two guests who will be telling us exactly what it takes to get employed at their titles. We are joined by Emily Gorson, internal editorial recruiter at Reach PLC, and Maria Breslin, digital editor of Liverpool Echo. Some of you will know is a Reach PLC title. They'll be taking us through the hiring process from start to finish, from the initial application that lands in Emily's inbox, right through to sitting down for interview with Maria. The pair will tell us exactly what applicants can do to maximise their chances of moving through to the next round. Let's start at the very top then. For anyone who has applied for a position at Reach recently, your application will have likely found its way to Emily's desk. I suppose there is a perception that recruiters are quite cutthroat at this initial stage. Emily says they comb through applications carefully, but they do need to weed out those unsuitable candidates. What I'll do is I'll go through those that really don't meet the minimum requirements. They need to have a driving licence or they need to have sort of a qualification, their NCTJ, or they need to have relevant time served. If they don't meet those qualifications or those minimums, that's when I will cut them out. But at that stage, no one will be rejected. So if they don't have the minimum, but the team would still like to meet with them, that is an option as well. Um, It's just to make their lives a little bit easier for those ones that we've had so many applications. Um, And we do get a lot of interest from people that, you know, might not have any experience, but they're really passionate about Liverpool or the football club or anything like that. We will try to look at the here and now and understand what makes a good application in today's context of local news, because as Maria explains, there is a huge difference in how junior and senior reporters should approach those respective posts. But there is some basic and universal advice right across the board, which everyone should bear in mind. I think shows specific experience or interest in the role that they're applying for and to make it obvious that they want to do this particular job with this particular company and not that they just want any job with any company. Um, You just need to put work into it and to make the person at the other end of the process, like me or, or Emily, convinced that you actually want that role and you actually want to work for Reach PLC as opposed to another um, media group. I think I would say as well, um, ensuring that you read the job description. Um, We have an ideal candidate section on there and it does really hopefully quite clearly outline what we are looking for and what the requirements would be. Um, So, you know, if, if the job description says that we will require candidates to have shorthand then include it on your CV Um, make sure that it's really clear on there that you meet those minimum requirements Um, and it shows to us you've you've really read through and you know that you are the right candidate for the job rather than just clicking apply for a few different things. So basically make sure you read the fine print other typical inclusions might be good knowledge of social media and the way it can be used to drive audience engagement but now from Emily's initial shortlist of suitable candidates Maria now decides which applicants she would like to meet for interview. But what helps her reach that decision? Keeping your CV updated so it's relevant to the job you're applying for is really important, so you probably need to adapt it, um, depending on the role. And I think a covering letter um, can work wonders, and people who do send a covering letter or send some examples that are relevant to this particular role do stand out. They've gone the extra mile already. It wouldn't work in every scenario, but I think if you can get 
give examples of, of what you can do that are relevant to the position, but lets people get some idea of what you're like as a person. That can work really well. Um, we did have one person who applied for a job and used a video as their application. Um, I wouldn't recommend that every time, but it certainly worked with this particular role, and it did make them stand out, and it was good to, and to the point, and you knew immediately they had the skills needed for that particular job. So you just got to gauge it, I think. If you're going for a role as a political reporter, then we don't want, you know, fun videos, etc. We want, you know, to know that you're knowledgeable about, about local politics. But if it's a more creative role that you're applying for, then evidence of your creativity ahead of the interview process is, is welcome, I think. Now it's up to Emily to contact those interviewees to arrange a time to meet. Is there anything in that phone call which is a giveaway of whether that person is suitable or not for the role? And is that also a chance to impress? just being quite clear and polite you know always answering the phone with your name is quite a good start if you if you've applied for jobs and you know that you're you might be expecting a phone call it's difficult when if you are in a current job um, and you're trying to find time off for an interview but I think trying where you can to be as flexible as possible for the team um, I think it can be a little bit of a red flag for us if there's absolutely no dates that you can do and then you know you're not willing to do an interview in the next three weeks because you have to sort of get holiday authorised I think that can be a little bit of a flag because we are trying to find someone as soon as possible in, in almost all scenarios being as transparent as possible as well if you're in a senior position and you know you have a three-month notice period from the outset, make us aware. It doesn't mean it's a no, but it means that we can plan around that rather than kind of on the back foot. So just things like that, if you've got holidays booked, let us know, um, and we can always kind of take that into account rather than it be a bit of a surprise later down the line. You can get a good idea of whether or not a candidate will be successful with how they speak to me, what sort of questions they have before the interview, um, and, you know, how again diligent they are mm -hmm. with details um you know they might if they've looked it up on google maps and they say oh i can't see where the entrance is how how can i make sure that i'm on time that sort of thing it gives me an idea that i'm like they really care they want to be there on time they three days before they're on google maps checking where the office is um so to me as well you can kind of even though i've not met them and i, I don't know their sort of the ins and outs i can get an idea of those that might be more successful and those that also may not. Next is the big one and the task of sitting down for interview with Maria. What I'd like to know is before they have even reached the office, what essential homework and preparation would she expect an applicant to have done ahead of time? Quite often I will ask people to do a presentation. Um, the, the idea behind that is people can get very nervous in an interview situation. It doesn't mean they're not a, a great candidate and giving them a task to do sort of hands them some power and allows them to prepare and hopefully sort of relax a little bit. Um, so if you are asked to do a task, um, do it well. And that sounds obvious, but you'd be amazed at how many people come in and say, oh, no, this isn't very good, but... And it's like, well, that's not a very good start to, to your interview. I would talk about what you wear. Um, different organisations and different brands would have different standards. Here at the Echo, depending on, on the job, we would expect 
people to come in dressed smartly and that probably does mean a suit for a man and, and workwear for a woman. You should do your research, I think, into what clothing would be appropriate. Um, I'd never mark anyone down on it, but again, it sort of is a reflection of, of, of the standards you you might um, expect. Be on time, I think, sounds obvious, but you'd be amazed at how many people <laughs> don't get here on time. And I think the main one is just know the brand, know the products, the amount of people who come and you'll ask a question about maybe one of our digital platforms and they don't have an answer and it's quite clear that they don't really know it. You're just one of very, very many organisations, brands that they're interviewing for and nothing puts you off more than that, I think, because it just implies disrespectfulness and it may not be intentional, but you really do have to know the, the brand because if you don't know it, how can you know you want to work for it or that you're the right person? A lot of people tend to think that they need to go away and do reams of research on the company and the title itself. Is that the case or is that a myth? How much realistically would they need to know about the company itself ahead of time? I'm not expecting them to go away and study it and learn, you know, stats, figures, things like that. I don't expect that because that isn't really what it's all about. But I would expect them to understand the brand, to understand what's important to us, look at what you think we do well, and maybe look at what you think we could do better because, you know, somebody who brings fresh ideas to the table is always a valuable asset, but maybe some idea of our reach in terms of digital audience, maybe some idea of how many newspapers we sell, but I don't expect them to have the full marketing brief of what you know our ideal reader looks like, but I certainly would expect them to understand what's important to them. And it's that word brand which is something that keeps cropping up in this interview. But brand has also become one of those vague buzzwords as well, though. What exactly does that entail? For me, brand means what we stand for and what we're about. And certainly when we do have new starters, we all sit them down and, and talk to them about what it means, what a Liverpool Echo story is, who we're writing it for, um, how we should tell it, what our DNA is essentially. So some understanding of that, some idea of things that we might have done well or, you know, ongoing projects, etc. Just some knowledge, something that shows that they've taken the time out to understand what we're about and they want to be part of it. We have, you know, quite distinct um, personalities nowadays, but, you know, following our social accounts, just having an idea of what we do. We yeah. do need people who are going to come in and have something to offer up from day one, so a red flag of, of not having any ideas and also not really knowing knowing our products as well, both would, would concern me. As journalists, our craft is not just writing good stories but it's also asking the right questions is it equally a major red flag not to ask any questions in interviews maria says she wouldn't mark someone down for not having any as questions do actually get answered throughout the interview but there are some reliable fallbacks and fail saves to have up your sleeve just in case i think it's quite good to ask about future plans future developments where you see the company going where you see the brand going um, where would we be in five years' time, just to show that you're aligning yourself to the future of that company, which psychologically can make you think they're already there, <laughs> I guess. To distill all of this down, what are the core skills needed to be a local news reporter for Reach and or the Liverpool Echo? So once you've got past the traditional skills that you'd need, such as, as law, etc., um, someone who's got a real drive to do the job, who's got a real interest 
in people, in what's going on around them, in in Liverpool, someone who's got a real love for Liverpool. We we think it's the best city in the world, and if you don't, then don't you know? Don't join us. I'm sure <laughs> many other um, many other um, titles would say the same. So a, a real passion, I think, for telling stories, um, whether that's through words or video or whatever format you you may um, you may choose. It seems like there are always opportunities to make your mark, and that holds true even in the face of rejection. How should applicants respond to being turned down, and how can they use it as a chance? To impress. I'm not saying it happens all the time, but it has happened is that somebody has been unsuccessful in applying for a role but genuinely wants to work with, in this instance, Liverpool Echo and has arranged then to come in almost immediately on some work experience, some short term projects. And those people really stand out in your mind, especially if they've interviewed quite well anyhow. I'm not after anyone doing sort of free labour or anything, but it shows their intentions and it also um, helps them showcase their abilities. And there's a number of people who um, have roles here now who, who run successful the first time round, came and showed what they could do and, and were obviously sort of, you know, top of the pile when, when the next um, opening came. I think following on from that, we really try to give... Um, constructive feedback as much feedback as we can do um, on where sort of an unsuccessful candidate has done well and where they can improve and I think if they can then go away and improve upon that and come back it's it is really impressive because it shows to us they've listened and they've built on that and they have sort of bettered themselves in that way because at the end of the day that they have met with someone who knows their stuff and knows the business and and knows how they can improve their career so I think if you can go away and build on that, it is, it is impressive. And on that feedback, what is a typical example of something they might fall down on and how can they use that to their advantage? I've had it before where a candidate, when I let them know the reason that they hadn't been successful was that um, you know, another candidate had slightly stronger experience in a certain area um, and their response was, well, they didn't ask me. Um, so, yeah, what I was sort mm-hmm. of saying to Maria earlier was... Um, find a way to include it. If you think it's relevant, find a way to make sure that comes up in the interview. Um, even if the question doesn't directly cover it, if you know it's relevant to that position, then, then find a way to include it. And as a parting note, are there any standout applications which have shone from the very beginning in their minds and therefore act as a good example to follow? The most impressive person we've recruited recently just really knew his stuff, was able to relate what he was doing currently. He wasn't straight into the marketplace, he had previous employment, and was able to relate it directly with what he thought the role would be. Um, so he had very, very specific examples of, of how he would do things, and he was able to um, answer all our questions with with very good examples of how he'd done it before, how he'd done it previously. Um, great presentation, um, quite captivating, very good, you know, not a person who was nervous in an interview scenario, and that helps. Kept time, I think that's another thing that people, you know, have a tendency to to talk as opposed to answer the question, and I think as difficult as it is if you're nervous, I think specifically answering the question is... Um, you don't want to over-talk it, you don't want to under-talk it, but you just want to answer the question. And um, I think the other thing is people are sometimes a little bit bashful, especially if it's some of the first interviews in their career and they sort of find it uncomfortable talking about how good they are, but it just isn't a, a place for humility. While no one 
wants arrogance it's you know you really do need to sort of put it out there of, of how good you are because it's your it's your one chance really so not a place for humility i'd say useful advice from maria and emily thanks to them both for speaking to me and thanks to you of course at home or on the commute for tuning in if you're on the job hunt maybe finishing your university studies or looking for a change in career direction your next position could be waiting for you on the journalism.co.uk jobs board head over to journalismjobs.co.uk where you can find a range of roles to suit your experience region and sector while i'm here let me also remind you to save the date for our next news worldwide conference taking place on the 27th of november at reuters in london we've got great panels and speakers lined up on driving diversity in your newsroom and plenty more head over to newsworldwide.com for the full agenda and tickets. If you'd like to feature on a journalism.co.uk podcast, you can get in touch with us at Journalism News on Twitter. Until next time.